Last Sunday, we read the account of Jesus riding through the Kidron Valley. And as he's riding through, it's the triumphal entry. All the people are lined up praising him as he's going through into the temple through the east gate. And they're all praising him and shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were all so excited. But Jesus was on that donkey weeping. Weeping for the ones that didn't recognize the day of their visitation. They didn't recognize who he was as he rode in to the Temple Mount. Here's some bad news. Sad news. The world is still like that today. They're, the larger percentage of the world does not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They don't recognize the salvation found only in him. There's no other place that we can find that salvation. There are many other people that claim to bring the good news and claim to give hope. But without him, there is no hope. How do I know? He told me in his word. He told me exactly what I needed to know to be saved. And then when I became saved and listened to him and applied it, then... He set me free to see reality, to see the truth. It wasn't until I received his salvation, until I recognized him as my Lord and Savior, that my eyes were opened to the truth and that I recognized what was really going on. So Jesus died on the cross a few days earlier. When he died, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea took the body, wrapped it, put it in the tomb. They had a hurry because at sundown, it was going to be a holiday. And they had to get him in the tomb before the sunset. And they didn't get to use all of the spices and everything that they usually would have used. They brought a hundred pounds of spices to wrap the body in, but they didn't even get a chance to do all of that before they had to get him in the tomb and uh, close the tomb. At the request of the Jewish rulers, a Roman guard was placed there on the tomb. They sealed it so that no one could open it because the religious rulers said, oh, they said that he was going to rise again. They're going to steal the body and make it look like he rose again. So let's put a Roman guard there to guard it. And Pilate said, whatever. All right, that's not what he said. But he said, okay, you have your guard. Go ahead and set them before the tomb. And Matthew 27:42, we read how the religious rulers were mocking Jesus. They were saying, he saved others. Himself, he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. That's something that people say today. People still mock Jesus today. Oh, if he's really 
God, then how come we have so much sickness? How come we have so much? How come we have so many bad things happening in the world? Because he gives everyone a choice to believe what they want to believe, to follow what they want to follow. And many people make the wrong choice. So they said, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. Folks, there were f over 500 eyewitnesses of Jesus coming down from the cross. Well, he came down from the cross dead, but rising again, 500 eyewitness accounts of him. Many people saw him. Do you guys believe in George Washington? How many of you have seen him? I know some of you are old. But you're not that old. Okay. But we believe in him because of the eyewitness accounts of who George Washington is. The history of who he was. Well, Jesus is the same way. Except Jesus was 2,000 years ago. And there's more accounts of Jesus than there is of George Washington. So, consider the fact that he not only lived and died. He rose again. And many people saw him, but you know what? Those rulers that said, you know, have him come down from the cross and we will believe him. Hold on. Coming down from the cross is nothing. Rising from the dead is a little more drastic than coming down from the cross. They didn't believe him when he rose from the dead. They wouldn't have believed him if he stepped down from the cross and smacked him across the face, right? So, uh, they were just saying what they wanted to say. They were going to believe what they wanted to believe. See, the attitude is similar today. The attitude is similar in that there are many people that say, well, there's no evidence, there's no proof for Jesus. The proof is sitting right here in this room. Every believer that received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is the evidence of Jesus Christ. Changed lives. The lives that were changed. I have lots of friends that grew up with me and they can't believe that I became this person. Okay, I don't have lot. Half of them are dead, actually. They have died due to various drug overdoses and, you know, accidents and stuff like that. And... There aren't a lot of my friends that are left alive. I'd say with the majority of them. And I'm still a young man. I'm, I'm 60. Am I 62? Yes. My wife said I'm 62. And, and I am, uh, you know, one of the ones that live. And if people knew me from the past, they would say, you shouldn't have. <laughs> you know, you didn't deserve. None of us do. None of us do. But that is the proof. That's the evidence of Jesus Christ. It's in who we are today after we receive Jesus Christ. It, the change. Now, maybe you were a really good person before and becoming a Christian, you just got a little bit better. Um, you know, but it doesn't matter what other people see. What matters what you see. And when I read the word of God, I see Jesus Christ. And I see him in my life, 
and I watch him do miracles. Not like all of a sudden I grow a third arm, but miracles in that the things that normal situations in my life that would take other people down, we just go through. And it's like, okay, the Lord's going to get us through that. And he does, amazingly. So, uh, let's jump right in now to Luke chapter 24, verse 1, where we, we read, Now, on the first day of the week, very early, first day of the week, by the way, is Sunday in this instance, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Okay, so here were the women, there was Mary, 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 and Joanna that went to the tomb, and they, Mary was a common name back then, and they, all these Marys and, and Joanna went to the tomb to bring spices because they were going to freshen up. They remembered, hey, they didn't get a chance to properly prepare the body. So they're going back to the tomb now to prepare the body. Some things they may not be aware of, there's a Roman guard at the tomb. They may not be aware of that because that didn't happen until the next day after he was in the tomb. And then the Jewish leaders went to Pilate and said, hey, put a Roman guard there, and he did. So, you know, this wasn't something maybe they were aware of. They were just going down there with their bag of spices. But what they did know is that there was a big stone in front of the tomb. And I, I guess they thought maybe someone else was down there that could take care of it. Sometimes we leave things to other people thinking that other people will take care of the things that need to be done. You know, and really when God calls us, we just need to go. Who were there? Mary, 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 and Joanna. Where were Peter, John? Where were the rest of the apostles? They were waiting for Mary, 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 and Joanna to make them breakfast? Where were they? Why weren't they there? And that is the reality of what we see today, even in the church, where people wait until somebody else does things, and they don't want to. But these were three women. Jesus broke the mold. You see, everything was done by men back then. And everything was all about the man, the man, the man. But these are women. They're stepping out and they're breaking the mold of society. Jesus was the first woman's liver. And he connected first with a woman before he connected with any man. And so here are these women going to the tomb. They didn't have any idea how the stone was going to be rolled away. But in Matthew chapter 28, verse 2, Jesus takes care of that. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. 
And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And so here, angel comes and he rolls a stone and sits on it and watches the show. Uh, the actors are the Roman guard that was supposed to be protecting the tomb, making sure nobody breaks that seal. That's a Roman seal. You're not going to break that seal. You know, we're going to have to kill you. Instead, they faint. You know, and, and it, it's humorous to see what happened. But at the same time, I believe that they were watching this angel come and rolled a stone, and they realized he is the Son of God. Just like the centurion did when Jesus died on the cross and said, It is finished, breathed his last. The centurion believed at that moment. And these Roman soldiers were there watching this take place, and they fainted. The description, when they say his clothing was white as snow. If you wear white clothing, you know how bright it is. And white. I'm wearing a white shirt. And their white was so much whiter than our white. And the reason why it was so dramatic. See, when they made clothing out of white wool, it wouldn't be perfectly white. It wouldn't be white as snow. It would be white. It would be the average white. Maybe, you know, one of those Navajo white. Just a little off. But this was so white that it was white as... That's, they had to make a point out of saying what it looked like. First, back in Luke chapter 24... In verse 2, we read, But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Well, we know what happened. They didn't get there and see the Roman guards laying there. Because they would have mentioned that. Oh yeah, these guys were all laying around, you know, passed out, and the tomb was open. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb and told these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And so here they were, these women all came and saw the, the stone rolled away going, and there's angels there. 
And the angel said, what are you looking for the living? Among, see, a tomb is for dead people. And Jesus was no longer dead. He's now alive. But they're looking for him where dead people are. And they pointed out, don't you remember when he said the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again? He told them that numerous times. This wasn't like a one-time event in passing over dinner and nobody really heard it. He told them numerous times, even before the triumphal entry as they were getting to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, a week earlier, he had said, this is what's going to happen. But even then, they didn't understand what Jesus was telling them. But it says here, and they remembered his words. At that point, their eyes were open. Oh, I do remember that. Has that ever happened to you? When your wife tells you something? For those men here that have wives that tell you something. And you don't remember. And they'll point it out to you later on. And remind you. And say, do you remember when I told you this? I have a great excuse. My hearing is really, really bad. Really bad. I don't remember things that I say because I can't even hear myself. It, it, so when she says something, I can use that as the excuse. I used to be able to. And, and now she says, well, I've been telling you to get hearing aids. So now it's your fault. But here's the reality. We remember what we want to remember. They didn't want to remember that Jesus said he was going to die. They wanted to remember the teachings that said he was going to be king. That he was going to establish the kingdom, the throne. That he was going to be in control of everything and wipe out the enemy. That's what they were remembering. But that wasn't what was really going to take place. So now they get the good news. They're told what's going to happen he reminds them of what Jesus said in Galilee. And it was all part of God's plan. You see, that's what we need to remember as Christians. Is God's plan doesn't end with today. And we don't know what tomorrow brings because God, God's plan is complete. We can find the rest of God's plan here in the book of Revelation. And we can see everything that's going to happen. God's plan will be completed. It will be final. And we already know what the end is. So Paul Harvey. We don't need Paul Harvey. He doesn't have to tell us the rest of the story. Instead we have Jesus who told us the whole story. Verse 11, and their words seemed like idle tales and they did not believe him. The women went back to 
the upper room where all of these disciples, almost 120 of them, were there in the upper room. They go back to the upper room where all these disciples and apostles are meeting and they tell them the story and their words seem like idle tales and they did not believe them. That's the problem the world is having today. Our words seem like idle tales. You see, and if it were a group of men that came and said something, they may have believed them a little more because men, their testimony is a little more credible than women. But that was something Jesus was trying to correct. He was trying to get people to realize we're all equal under Jesus Christ. There is no man and woman. There is no Jew and Greek. We are all children of the living God. We all have a relationship. We're all equal under him. So these women give them the news. You, you would think they would understand that these things are possible. They spent three and a half years with Jesus watching the miracles happen. They saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. He was in a tomb that was closed and he was wrapped up for days. He was dead. And he took this stinky dead man, his sister said that, not me, and he brought him back to life. Lazarus come forth and, and he did. He came back but, you know, who was going to bring Jesus back to life? He was the one that was doing that. And, and so here, they were still unsure of how this could possibly happen. Jesus told them that he was going to rise again. Obviously, they didn't understand. John and Peter must have had some hope because they ran to the grave to check it out. John says that he ran to the grave and outran Peter to the grave. And then, I love the way John says that he says that the apostle that Jesus loved, right? When he said, the apostle Jesus loved ran to the grave and made it there first to the grave. Well, he's talking about himself because he wrote that. And... The reason why he said that is because he knew that Jesus loved him. And so he always, instead of calling himself by name, he called himself the apostle that Jesus loved. Folks, Jesus didn't love John more than he loves you. More than he loves me. He loves us all equally. But John was just so sure of the love that Jesus has for him, that that's how he referred to Jesus. The apostle that Jesus, he referred to himself that way because he recognized the love of Jesus. Sometimes we don't recognize the love of Jesus because things aren't going the way we expect them to. Sometimes things get rough. We have 
medical issues, financial issues. We have personal issues with family and friends. And, and sometimes we think, you know, man, I wish Jesus would intervene. He wants to intervene. He wants to start with you. He wants you to be the one to forgive. He wants you to be the one to show love and demonstrate love to your enemy or to your friend that you just don't like right now. You know, sometimes it, we find it hard to love the people that are closest to us, but we'll love a stranger. You know, we'll be friendly to a stranger and, and you know, but we, we have a hard time with the people that are closest to us. And if we can't love them and we can't demonstrate that love toward them, then the love and the friendship and, and so that we have with other people really isn't real. It, it isn't true. Jesus loved us so much that he went to the cross and died for us. And that wasn't because we are just so, so wonderful. He just couldn't wait to be with us. You know, so, you know, because we're so perfect that he wanted to die for the perfect people. If he wanted to die for the perfect people, there'd be no one there. Room would be empty. But he actually loved it. it. It says that there was a joy that he had. For the joy that was set before him, he went to the cross. Joy in spending eternity with us. <laughs> That's amazing that he would do that. In John, by the way, Peter and John, they go to the tomb. Then they're done at the tomb. They see that he's not there. And they leave and it says that they go home. And Mary Magdalene now goes back to the tomb. And she's there at the tomb weeping. You see, she just wanted to be at the last place she knew that Jesus was. You know, where is it? How can I connect with him again? Let me go there to that place. John chapter 20 in verse 15. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. He spoke to her. See, he had already spoke to her, but then he called her by name and said, Mary. And she turned to him and said, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Teacher, she knew it was Jesus. I can only imagine the passion that welled up inside of her at that moment, the joy that was inside of her at that moment. What happens when Jesus calls out your name? 
do you confuse him for the gardener? Or do you recognize that it's him calling you? The place I recognize Jesus speaking to me the most is not my living room. It's not the shower. Although he speaks to me a lot in the shower, I just get all these things coming to my... It's in his word. And when I read his word, he shouts at me in the smallest whisper. I can read it and say, oh, that was for me. He wanted me to hear that. But it wasn't, I, I didn't even hear a whisper. Oh, but it shouted at me and just let me know, oh, this is for you. Good morning. This is for you. And I get it. I hear his voice. And it's just like Mary at the tomb. She heard his voice call her name. And everything was going to be okay. She knew at that moment everything was going to be okay. Jesus wants us to experience that joy for ourselves. He wants us to recognize his still small voice. He wants us to have the peace that surpasses all understanding that only comes from knowing him in that way, in, in that intimate way of one-on-one -on -one relationship. He wants us to know him like that. Mary recognize his voice. The question we have to ask ourselves, do we recognize his voice? Or do we think, oh, he doesn't talk to me. I'm just nobody. I, I'm, I'm, Jesus knows everybody. He knows your name and he pronounces it correctly. And we sometimes miss the fact that he wants to talk to us because we don't hear from him the way we expect him to. So Jesus tells Mary to go tell the disciples, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. He tells Mary that. See, it's his father, God, and it's her father, God. We need to know and recognize he is our father, God. We aren't stepchildren. We aren't, you know, the, the great-grandsons of someone, you know, three times removed. We are children of the living God. We, we have the inheritance that has been given to us. Just as much as it has been given to the apostles or anyone else that believes in him and calls on him for their salvation. God the Father is literally 
he is, Jesus, is the only begotten son, but then there are just all of these other children. We all have a piece in the family. We're all part of it. That's the best news we can receive, isn't it? So first it was the two angels that told Mary that Jesus was risen from the dead. And then Mary and her friends tell the disciples they don't believe it. Now Jesus himself shows up and speaks to Mary Magdalene and tells her. And he also went and walked with two disciples there on the road to Emmaus and revealed himself to them. He also, in Luke chapter 24, verse 34, we hear that he appeared to Peter privately. And so he has appeared to all of these people. John tells us what happened next in John chapter 20 and verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. So here they all are, gathered in this upper room. They've heard all the rumors. They've heard the stories. The disciples from Emmaus come back to Jerusalem and come into that room. And they tell everyone there, we've seen him. We talked to him. And he shared with us bread. And when he broke it, we recognized him. We didn't realize it was him. And then we recognized and he disappears. And everyone was excited but there were many in the room that hadn't seen him yet. And then all of a sudden, the doors are locked because they were afraid of the Jews. You see, they were afraid the Jews were going to come and arrest them and do the same thing to them that they did to Jesus. And then he shows up and says, peace be with you. They needed peace because they were afraid. The world that we live in today is missing peace. There's so much fear in the world today. Some of it justified, depending on where you live. If you, if, if you lived in Ukraine or Syria right now, it's pretty bad there. There are many other places through the world that it's pretty bad. You know, being a Christian and walking around as a Christian can cause you to be killed or imprisoned. So, we don't, Fountain Hills, we don't have that problem here. We can be Christians because, ah, Christians are okay, we don't care what you believe. People are okay with it mostly. We don't experience what they're experiencing here. But Jesus came on the scene and said, peace be with you. Well, regardless of what's going on in our world, we can have peace because of Jesus. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so now Jesus was imparting to them 
the power that he had himself, the Holy Spirit. And he was now sharing it with them. But it was only upon them. It wasn't in them. That was on the day of Pentecost when it was a different experience of the Holy Spirit at that time. But here, he is trying to give them peace. This is the greatest news we can have as Christians. Jesus is alive. And he can bring us peace in our lives. He can breathe the Holy Spirit into our lives. All we have to do is trust him, believe in him. And he will do the hard work. He's sending us into the world so that the world can know the good news. And you know what? The world is going to look at you like the crazy women that came from the tomb. What do you mean Jesus is alive? We saw him die. We saw him put in the tomb. Oh, it sounds like fairy tales. And I've even had people tell me that. The Bible is just a bunch of fairy tales. Because they don't know any better. They don't know for themselves. You, you don't know. You know, in, in, in the old days, scientists believe that if you went over 600 miles an hour, you would turn inside out. That your body would just turn inside. Really, scientists believe that. And, uh, you know, they, there's no way we can break the sound barrier, you know, because that would just, you would make a mess out of the cockpit. So, but somebody said, I'm willing to try. I'm willing. Send me up. And so when we consider today that we're gathered together in Jesus' name because of the resurrection, somebody back then said, I believe, and they haven't stopped sharing the good news. It's still being shared today. And that's how come we're told, go out and share this good news. Go out and tell whoever will hear it. Don't argue with those who won't. If they don't want to believe, they don't have to. God is not going to force people to believe the good news. But, when they get before the judgment throne, they're going to have to, well, I didn't believe it. Well, why not? There was all kinds of evidence. Why didn't you believe? They're the ones that are going to, it's not up to you to force anyone to believe. Just share the good news. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. What is the leading cause of death today? Sin. You know, they'll tell you it's all different kinds of things, but the leading cause of death is sin. One out of every one sinner dies. But we have someone who saved us so that when we leave this earth, we don't have to stay dead. We can live in newness of life. We can live a resurrected life in Jesus Christ. He set the example for us. He said, this is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to share this with you. You get to do this too. You get to live in newness of life. But first, 
we got to live a crucified life. First, we have to say, you know what? I'm giving up my life for him. That's the hard part. Because I want to do everything for me. You know what I'm saying? When I see a commercial, you know, for anything, I, oh, I've got to have it. You know? How do they make that steak look so good? I want one. And we just think about ourselves. But sometimes we need to think about, hold on, what does Jesus want me to do? Now, he doesn't mind if I have a steak once in a while. But I need to put him first in my life to enjoy all the good things in this life. He said he's going to return again, and I believe that time is very close. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13 we read, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, or those who have died that are Christians, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who are in Jesus are Christians who have died. He's going to bring them home. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. So if the Lord came today, we would be the ones that are alive. Yes, that are alive. Everyone here is alive and remain. And if he came today, that we will by no means precede those who are asleep. Those who have died first are going to rise up. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, people that are living, Christians, and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Woohoo! That's good news, right? Yes. But it's all because of the fact that if we believe Jesus died and rose again, uh, see, it's because of what he did. He died, he rose again, and he made the way possible by doing that. And then Paul closes that out saying, therefore, Comfort one another with these words. You know what wouldn't be comforting to me? Is if I heard that we are going to have to go through a time so fierce, so that the enemy, Satan, is going to cause so much hate and havoc on this earth and we're going to have to live through it. That wouldn't be comforting, would it? But these words are comforting because Jesus, just like in the days of Noah, put Noah on the ark. Now, some of you are worried about seasickness, but don't worry. Just get on the ark, and we're going to be saved from what's coming to the earth. Oh, it's horrible what's coming to the earth. It's going to be a flood. It's going to kill everyone. Yes, it's horrible what's coming to the earth, so get in the ark 
And that ark is Jesus Christ. He is the one that has saved us. So let's remember that every day, not just on Easter Sunday. Let's remember that every day. Amen. Amen.